Zen nicotine pouches deliver nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime, which means Zen pairs well with you, your personality, your schedule, and your spontaneity. Zen fits easily into your bag, pocket, and into your life because it's smoke-free, hands-free, and hassle-free. So the only person who will know you have a Zen pouch in is you. Visit Zinn.com or head to your local convenience store today to find your Zen. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. Amazing. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, your exercise, and medication decisions. All those decisions can lead to big results, like more time in range and a lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. Thanks, Dexcom, for being our partner. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk. Comedians or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. The last time family and friends saw 24-year-old Sydney Loof was in this Snapchat as she was preparing for a second date with the woman she met on Tinder. Just like so many others, the popular dating app leading to one million dates a week. Loof seen smiling in the photo on November 15th, writing, ready for my date before vanishing. Now her date, 23-year-old Bailey Boswell and 51-year-old Aubrey Trail being called persons of interest by Nebraska police. By their own statements on social media, we believe that Aubrey Trail and Bailey Boswell were two of the last people to have known to Ben with Sydney prior to her disappearance. The search for Loof beginning when she missed a shift at the home improvement store where she worked. Her worried family pleading for help. Someone knows something. Please, please do the right thing. A shocking moment. A man accused of strangling his 24-year-old Tinder date, Sydney Loof, to death with an extension cord 
tries to slash his own throat in court after screaming out his killer girlfriend is innocent. I'm Nancy Grace. This is Crime Stories. Did 52-year-old Aubrey Trail murder and dismember a 24-year-old girl, Sydney Loof, in Nebraska? His girlfriend, his henchman in crime, Bailey Boswell, 25 years old herself, did she help him murder and dismember the girl? In court, this perv, Aubrey Trail, slashes his own throat during a court hearing, screaming out Bailey's innocence and... I curse you all. I'll never forget getting a curse put on me at the end of a sentence. A really rich dude, let's say he was a multimillionaire, had whopped his wife in the head, then set the house on fire, his mansion. And when the fire department pulled up, he was lounging a la Romanesque in the yard across the street. They talked to him for about three full minutes as firemen were rushing, other firemen were rushing toward the mansion, and only then did he go, oh, yes, my wife's in there. Just, you know, how did he get out the window at 3 a.m., fully dressed, pants, shirt, belt, car keys, wallet, shoes, the works, and his wife dies from the blaze? Just like here, straight out to Dave Matt, CrimeOnline.com investigative reporter, what happened? Nancy, it started with the, uh, the mobile phone app called Tinder. Um, Sydney Loof's 24 years old and uh, just trying to find, you know, like everybody else, trying to find some, you know, buddy that she can connect with. She had gone out with uh, Bailey Boswell, the 25-year-old girlfriend of Aubrey Trail, who you were already talking about. He was 51. Bailey was 25. Sydney Loof is 24. She and Bailey connected on Tinder, and this was their second date, Okay. And what we know is that during the second date, Bailey Boswell picked up Cindy Loof, Sydney Loof at her home. But it's at that point that apparently Boswell and Trail had a game plan to kill Sydney Loof that night and went about doing the most heinous crime you can possibly imagine. We are talking about shocking video showing a man slashing his throat during his own trial for murder in Nebraska there in the courthouse screaming out his girlfriend's innocence. Listen. Hey guys, Jake Wazikowski, senior reporter with KMTV3 News Now. Just giving you a look at what's going on out here uh, in the middle of court after some testimony this morning. Uh, Aubrey Trail on trial for the first degree murder of uh, Sidney Loof and the disappearance of Sidney Loof uh, actually yelled yelled a statement and then uh, and then apparently slashed his throat or tried to slash his throat multiple times. So, sorry, I'm a little out of breath. We just kind of ran out of the uh, the courtroom. So what I can tell you is that there was a couple of witnesses uh, that had just got done with testimony, uh, an FBI agent and, and a person at a hotel they had stayed with after uh, the disappearance of Sidney Loof. And then uh, Trail says, Bailey is innocent to hell with you all to damn you all, something along those lines, and then started uh, apparently slashing his throat uh, multiple times. Uh, as you can see, they're backing up the ambulance. The two accused of suffocating and dismembering a young woman, Bailey Boswell, the co-defendant girlfriend, and Aubrey Trail, the so-called tender killer victim, Sidney Loof, 
Take a listen again to our friend at GMA, Amy Robach. Police and the FBI beginning their search, combing through digital evidence and looking for Boswell and Trail, who allegedly left town after Sydney's disappearance. We spent the last few days watching ourselves being slammed and crucified in the newspapers. And we thought it was time we had our say. The two posting this now deleted uh, video to social media. She is a sweet, amazing girl. Boswell saying in the video that she dropped Sydney off after their date. She asked me to drop her off at a friend's house, so I did so. I gave her my number. We, I mean, I haven't heard from her since. The pair now in police custody, reportedly being held on a federal person of interest warrant in the disappearance of Luke. Straight out to Dave Mack, CrimeOnline.com investigative reporter. Now, the 51-year-old male, Aubrey Trail's defense, is arguing Sydney's death was an accident. So what? Somebody has an accidental death and you dismember them? Hold on, Jason Oceans, what about that? That's pretty hard to uh, unintentionally dismember, Nancy. I mean, that's... uh pretty intentional act, notwithstanding destruction of a body. But uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not familiar with anything on the defense side other than other total, you know, mentally incompetent psycho sociopaths that in, engage in something like that. Uh, other one, get rid of the evidence. To Karen Stark, New York psychologist, you can find her at KarenStark.com. Apparently, he admits to strangling his girlfriend's female Tinder date in a five-way sex fantasy that went wrong. Okay, a fantasy is one thing, but she's dead, Karen Stark. What does this tell you? Well, it tells me that it didn't go wrong, Nancy, that um, they were living out this fantasy. There's certainly, we know, (laughs) everyone knows, the difference between having a fantasy and actually somebody being dead and dismembering their body. So he intended to do this from the start. They were actually out there soliciting somebody, and this poor innocent girl thought she's going on a date. He claims the victim took part in his fantasy voluntarily. He said that the, his real girlfriend, Boswell, just uh, 25, with whom he lived, was wiped out on drugs and had no idea what was going on. Is there any evidence to refute that to Joe Scott Morgan? Forensics expert, author of Blood Beneath My Feet on Amazon, forensics professor, Jacksonville State University. What proves the case against the girlfriend? Well, I think that her willing participation, Nancy, she she's the one that actually engaged and helped target, uh, first off, this poor woman. And then she went out and physically made contact with her and then took this girl after they kind of prepped her, took her out on another date and then brought her back at some point in time in which this fantasy was enacted. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. 20 days after she vanished, digital clues leading authorities to what they believe to be Loof's body. We do believe that there is uh, evidence of foul play. Sydney Luv's family reacting to the news on Facebook saying, May God grant eternal rest unto thee. We love you, Sydney. Her friends telling us she was careful when using the dating app. She usually always sent a picture of the person that she was going on a date with. Um, she would let us know whether it was going to be at her house, their house, in public. 
We are talking about shocking video showing a man slashing his throat during his own trial for murder in Nebraska. There in the courthouse, apparently he admits to strangling his girlfriend's female Tinder date in a five-way sex fantasy that went wrong. Okay, so she goes, she targets her. She brings her out on a date, then delivers her to the murder scene, is there at the time of the murder, and apparently managed to, at the very best, wake up in her drug-induced haze and dismember the body. To Joe Scott Morgan, forensics expert, author of Blood Beneath My Feet on Amazon, forensics professor, Jacksonville State University, uh, I, I think she was there for the whole thing. Yeah, I'd have to agree as well, Nancy. And the thing about it is dismembering a body is not as very simple as someone might think. This is a highly involved action. Uh, you know, when this poor young woman's body was eventually found, it had already been wrapped in plastic bags. This this gives you an indication if you're going to participate in this kind of behavior, there has to be prep work that is done in order to facilitate that. And I don't think this guy acted alone. I think that they're in concert together in this event. So question to you, Joe Scott, what would prove this was no accident? Well, the fact, I think that uh, they specifically uh, traumatized this girl in some particular way. Uh, What they're going to be looking for, and I don't know how difficult this might be given uh, the decomposition of the remains, because remember, her body was not found for another week after these two were arrested. Uh, that could compromise any kind of hemorrhage that was there, say, for instance, in her airway. But they have something specific, Nancy, because what they're talking about here is that she died of an asphyxial-type death. That means that she was either smothered, suffocated, or asphyxiated with a ligature. So let me understand this. He, the killer, is saying it was asphyxiation. So how could we, other than his statement, how could we prove that physically? Well, let's say, for instance, that her head is still intact and that we can observe her eyes. Those particular hemorrhages, those little pinprick hemorrhages that cause as a result of pressure being built up in the vascular system, they kind of explode in the eyes. That would still be visible at that point. There are also other surfaces within the body that are going to carry hemorrhage. If her neck is still intact, this area, let's say, for instance, there's a ligature that's applied to this. this. The skin beneath, the tissue beneath the skin can actually be observed. You can find hemorrhage in what's referred to as the strap muscles that run adjacent to the windpipe. And that can give an indication of uh, asphyxiation as a result of a ligature strangulation. When you keep saying hemorrhages, you're talking about bruises, right? Yeah, you're absolutely right, Nancy. And these bruises are going to take the form, say, for instance, that we're talking about a cord that's going to have a very line-like or linear appearance as opposed to if someone actually used their bare hands to choke her, uh, that's going to have a kind of a broader area of hemorrhage uh, that that's easily delineated at the morgue. Dave Mack, weigh in. You know, the fact that Sydney's body was not recovered whole is indicative of the fact that uh, Aubrey Trail had this planned out way in advance just by the fact that her body was found 14 different pieces chopped up and wrapped in plastic. All of the uh, items had to have been bought beforehand. So, the, you know, the defense idea that Aubrey Trail, uh, in a moment of passion uh, that got out of hand, ended up accidentally suffocating the woman, but he just so happens to have 14 spare bags off to the side that he purchased at, you know, uh, your local hardware store, and then chopped up the body into 14 different pieces and then scattered them along the highway. 
that just blows the idea of an accidental suffocation death out of the water. Listen. Court documents confirm grisly details in the death of Sidney Loof and also says that the killing was premeditated and not an accident, as Aubrey Trail has previously stated. The criminal complaint says that Trail acknowledged that he strangled Loof to death with an extension cord. He also said that Boswell assisted in cleaning up the crime scene and assisted in disposing of Loof's body. Her body was found in December in rural Clay County. The court documents also say that body parts were found in several different trash bags in Clay County. The court documents also say that surveillance video from a Home Depot show Boswell and Trail buying what and prosecutors say are supplies and tools for killing Loof before she even disappeared. To you, Dave Mack, uh, how will this entire drama in court, the suicide attempt affect the case against him. Aubrey Trail was found guilty of first-degree murder, but he was also found guilty of criminal conspiracy to commit murder. Well, here's the thing, Jason Oceans, a defendant, a suspect, can ask for a trial because something unfair happened in court, right? Either there was a bad ruling or the state did something wrong, but when he causes the commotion himself... It's going to be tough for him to get trial. That's on him. It is on him. Uh, you know, again, uh, the court, you know, if that's appealed, it goes through and the defense files a motion for mistrials denied. Uh, you know, that that could be uh, appealable to the extent that the court found that it was such. Oh, please stop it. Stop it. Stop it, 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 Jason, it, because then he could get another trial yeah, and do it fine. again. I, try to what? That, try to strangle fine. himself. It's fine. And, and he did cause it. I, I'm just saying procedurally from that perspective. I, 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 you know. Nancy, oh, Nancy, hold on a second. His attorneys, Aubrey Trail's attorneys, have asked for a new trial. One of the oddest things about this case has been the actual trial where Aubrey Trail, at trial, tried to cut his own throat and yelled and screamed stuff about how his girlfriend was innocent and all that. Well, look, I want you to keep something in mind. 14 days of testimony, two days of jury selection. And it still took a jury less than three hours to convict this guy. Now, his attorneys, Aubrey Trail's attorneys, they're claiming that when Aubrey Trail tried to cut his own throat in court and was yelling and screaming that his girlfriend Bailey was innocent, right, that he did that in front of the jury. They're saying that the judge should have declared a mistrial right then because of Aubrey Trail doing that in front of the jury. That's one of the reasons that his, his lawyers are citing as a reason for getting a new trial. Now, they even cited some other irregularities, okay, in their reasoning for wanting a new trial. They, they actually cited misconduct by the jury, but no specific examples were provided for that. So, I mean, that's part one of this big bag of crazy. Part two was that uh, Aubrey Trail actually asked um, for the jury that actually convicted him to not be the ones to sentence him. He asked for a three-judge panel to do the sentencing. They have yet to set the date for that hearing, uh, so we don't even know about a death penalty yet. But we know that right after the trial, he immediately files saying that the judge in the case should have declared a mistrial after Aubrey Trail slashed his own throat in court in front of the jury. He's not getting a new trial. Listen. It was four weeks of testimony 900 exhibits and you know they weren't even out for three hours and i don't even think they had exhibits delivered until an hour after they went out we the jury duly paneled and sworn do well and truly try and true deliverance 
make between the state of Nebraska and Aubrey C. Trail the defendant do find the said defendant as to the charge of count one, murder in the first degree, guilty of murder in the first degree, by purposely and with deliberate and premeditated malice, killing Sidney Luth on, about, or between November 15th and or 16th, 2017, in the county of Saline, state of Nebraska. We, the jury, duly impaneled and sworn, do well and truly try, in true deliverance, made between the state of Nebraska and Aubrey C. Trail, the defendant, do find the said defendant as to the charge of count two, conspiracy, criminal conspiracy to commit murder in the first degree, guilty of criminal conspiracy to commit murder in the first degree. Dave Mack, what more do you know? Nancy Bailey Boswell is the much younger uh, girlfriend of Aubrey Trails, and as it's been reported in the media, it's almost like a setup that he's the older crazy guy, the deviant, and and she, uh, that Bailey somehow might be a victim of his master plan. I don't see it like that. When you actually look at the information that we have available, Bailey Boswell was involved in planning. She was involved in communicating with Sydney in this particular case, but other young women as well who could have been victims. She was involved in buying the plastic uh, that was going to be used to wrap up the body parts of Sydney. She was involved in getting rid of the body parts of. She even posted a video on Facebook to try to pretend that all was well. I mean, she was a part of this plot from beginning to end. Make no mistake, Bailey Boswell is not a victim at all. And her trial this fall will prove that. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. the 911 call the night that a teen, a 17-year-old, is gunned down. Joining me right now, syndicated talk show host Dave Mack. Dave, what happened? Police were called because there was a report of a young person breaking into cars with a knife. Multiple police converged on the scene. And when we first see the, uh, you can hear on that 911, or the uh, dispatch calls back and forth between law enforcement and, and dispatch. 
that they drive through a parking lot of a Burger King. That's on the dash cam video that we can see as Laquan is trying to run away from the police. Uh, the, okay, the stop right there. Stop right there. You're telling me in the video you see the 17-year-old running from police? Yes, ma'am. Uh, you actually can see him run directly in front of one of the dash cam videos uh, that clearly shows him sprinting through the Burger King parking lot. Why was he running from police? Well, they were called because uh, they had a report that there was somebody breaking into cars and that the perpetrator allegedly had a knife. That was the first call. When police arrived, he took off. What I'm trying to determine is whether he was a threat. Kenya Johnson, Atlanta prosecutor. No. When you have a fleeing felon, if they pose a threat, like they're firing a gun or they're armed and dangerous, that allows police to shoot them. In this case, I'm not hearing that. I'm hearing he was breaking into cars. Well, if it's alleged that, uh, that he had a weapon on him, then that certainly is a threat for police. But where this changes is that the young man was walking away from the police. Hold on. Hold on, Kenya. Kenya Johnson. You know, you've had a lot of courtroom success, but... Let me give you a little phrase you may want to use in the future. Don't bring a knife to a gunfight, okay? All he had was a knife. The cops are armed. They're armed with, and, and they're wearing bulletproof vests. So he has a knife, and he's running away, as you accurately pointed out. What happened then, Dave Mack? Police surrounded Laquan as he, he runs through the Burger King parking lot. He is trying to get away. The police pretty much surround him on three different sides as he walks down the middle of the street. Now, they're yelling multiple commands, drop the knife, you know, get down, and he's not responsive to that. But he's not facing any of them. He's walking away. He's nonchalantly walking away is what is shown on the uh, video from the dash cam. He is surrounded by multiple police officers. That's when Officer Van Dyke gets out of the car, and within a matter of seconds, Start shooting. Now, when you're saying dash cam, not everybody knows what that means. What is dash cam? Explain. Well, the police officer vehicles actually have a camera that is posted on the dashboard of each vehicle so that you can actually see their perspective or at least the perspective directly in front of their vehicles as they're responding to a call. And after they're at the scene, as we saw in this, where it actually gives you a static video of whatever takes place. Joining me, Joseph Scott Morgan, professor of forensics, Jacksonville State University, author of Blood Beneath My Feet on Amazon. Joe Scott, why is there such a thing as dash cam video and now body cam video? Well, it, it helps everybody, uh, you know, so that you can get the story straight. It's a live, real-time uh, videography of the events as the police are witnessing from their perspective, generally for the for the police officer, the cam is positioned uh, center mass on their chest so that they're looking out. Sometimes they'll have it attached to their head, but most of the time it's on their chest. This gives you an idea as to what they're seeing, and you can get it from multiple perspectives. For instance, in this particular case, there are multiple units arriving on scene. You have both body cam views and you have dash cam views. So to... You, Dave Max, syndicated talk show host, what does the video show? The video on this one dash cam that we actually clearly shows that Laquan is walking down the middle of the street. 
He is, and I say this nonchalantly because he's not threatening. He's not even sprinting anymore. He's actually walking down the middle of the street. He is surrounded by police officers, and they know that there's a police officer on the way that has a taser gun. He's not approaching any police. He's just walking down the middle of the street, ignoring them as if nobody's there. Listen. When he got 10 to 15 feet away from you, what did he do? He never lost eye contact. Um, the eyes are bugging out. His face was just expressionless. And he turned his torso towards me. And what if he do with his arm? He waved the knife from his lower right side upwards across his body towards my left shoulder. And when he did that, what did you do, officer? I shot him. Jason Van Dyke, under oath, to Dave Mack. Is that to you, Dave Mack, syndicated talk show host? How many times was he shot? Nancy, he was shot 16 times. To Dr. Chris Sperry joining us, retired chief medical examiner. Dr. Sperry, 16 gunshot wounds. What can you tell me about Laquan McDonald body? He was riddled with gunshot wounds, uh, and it's amazing of the 16 times that he was shot, almost all of the gunshots hit his arms and legs. Actually, of the 16, there were only two of the gunshot wounds which produced uh, lethal or potentially lethal injuries. One struck his trachea or the windpipe in his neck, and the other uh, struck his right lung. But the other 14 gunshot wounds struck his arms and legs, fractured bones, and caused a lot of soft tissue injury. Uh, but that, but there were only two that were uh, really ended up being the lethal shots. Dr. Sperry, how do, does a wound to the trachea or the lung, how does that end up being deadly? It seems to me that... I mean, I'm just a JD, you're the MD. How does that end up in a deadly wound, to be shot in the trachea or the lung? Well, a gunshot wound to the lung causes massive bleeding inside of the chest cavity where the lung sits, because the lung is a giant of blood. Uh, And when we breathe, the air goes in the lung and all of the uh, billions of little blood vessels take up the oxygen and take it to our body. So it's a giant sponge, and a gunshot wound will tear through the lung and cause massive bleeding. A gunshot wound of the trachea is serious because this is our windpipe. This is how we breathe to get air down into the lung, and this will produce severe bleeding in the airway, and unfortunately, it will cause someone to actually suffocate on their own blood. Stories with Nancy Grace.
a teen, a 17-year-old, is gunned down running from police. Listen to ABC7. Van Dyke is the first Chicago police officer to face first-degree murder charges in decades. He was charged on the eve of the video's release, which was more than a year after 17-year-old McDonald was killed. Angelo says the video does not tell the whole story. I think Officer Van Dyke steps into his training mode and takes action that he believed at that time was justified. Mm, mm. Okay, so to you, Dave Mack, how damning is that video? What does it prove? It shows that Laquan was not in any way a threat to the police officers on the scene at the time he was struck. But it shows much more than that. It actually shows that he was shot many, many times after after the first shot took him down. That there were so many shots after he was laying in the middle of the street, not a threat to anyone. Mm, mm, mm. So to you, Joseph Scott Morgan, that's against all police protocol I've ever heard of. Yeah, yeah, it is, Nancy. Once Once the threat is neutralized at that point, it's you know it's pointless to go on and it 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 gives it gives you kind of a you know it gives people that watch it this idea that the individuals are indifferent to this person's life that it's overkill even in the video for for our fans that have not seen it you can see debris flying up off of the asphalt as as the bullets strike the asphalt so it really paints a very sour picture let me ask you dave mate why did it take a year for the dash cam video to turn up. Uh, Nancy, it took 13 months, 400 days, and the police and the city actually fought it. It was only after a judge forced them to release the dash cam video. It was the release of the dash cam video that brought about the charges against Officer Van Dyke. Uh, the uh, officer was charged just a matter of hours before they actually had to release it. They didn't want to release that video. They tried to hold it back to prevent the city and the people from seeing it. I don't understand that. To Kenya Johnson, uh, Atlanta prosecutor, you know, I hate it when there is wrongdoing on behalf of cops. And it's happened uh, with cops that I've used in vice cases before because it taints every case they've ever touched. Why? But still, long story short, the state is duty-bound to seek justice. Why would they fight the release of the video? Well, the law protects ongoing investigations. So even if you were to file an open records request, as long as the investigation is still open or the agency says it is, then they're not bound to release it. However, um, those elected officials that run on transparency, that's what the public wants to hear. And they want to be able to have access to this. And so the, uh, the people that have no problems, they're not afraid of what they've done, they feel like uh, they're justified, then they should just go ahead and release it and allow the public to form their own opinion, which ultimately is going to happen anyway. Listen to Officer Jason Van Dyke under oath. What was Laquan McDonald doing? Advancing on me. And could you see him, his face? Yeah, I could. I won't what, if anything, it. did you notice about his face? His face had no expression. His eyes were just bugging out of his head. He had just these huge white eyes just staring right through me. And did you say anything to Laquan McDonald? I was yelling at him, drop the knife. I yelled, 
I don't know how many times, but that's all I all I yelled. And did he keep advancing toward you? He never stopped. How close did he get to you? He got probably about 10 to 15 feet away from me. To Dave Mack, is that what the video shows? No, ma'am. And actually, you know, when he says that he was that Laquan was advancing on him, if you go back and watch that dash cam video, you can actually see Laquan walking in a straight line down the street. The only person advancing was Officer Van Dyke when he exits the vehicle and continues to approach uh, Laquan. Listen to ABC 7. The suspended police officer will have his day in court. Today appears to begin the legal process that will likely result in Jason Van Dyke on trial for murder. The Chicago police officer at the center of a controversial civilian shooting had no comment as he walked into a Cook County courthouse amid heckling from the crowd. Today, Officer Jason Van Dyke pleaded not guilty for the murder of Laquan McDonald. Video of the shooting gained national attention. McDonald's family wants the court proceedings to also get as much attention. McDonald was shot 16 times last October. Police had been pursuing McDonald for allegedly trying to break into parked cars. Officer Van Dyke, now suspended from the Chicago Police Department, was on the scene for seconds before firing at the 17-year-old. Prosecutors previously allege some of the shots were fired once the teenager with a three-inch folding knife was on the ground. You can listen to our friends at Fox 32. The Jason Van Dyke jury heard today from two eyewitnesses to the Laquan McDonald shooting, one of them a police officer, Jason Van Dyke's partner, the other one a 26-year-old man who just happened upon the scene. While he was on his feet, did you see him make any threatening movements? No. Uh, after he's on the ground and you said you heard more and more shots, did you see him make any threatening movements? No, not at all. Xavier Torres's father was driving him to the hospital with flu symptoms when they noticed a lot of police activity and went to see what was going on. Torres told the jury that Laquan McDonald did not appear to be threatening police before he was shot. What did it appear he was doing when he was walking southwest? Uh, just again looked like he was trying to get away from from all the officers. Torres's testimony was contradicted by Jason Van Dyke's partner on the night of the shooting. Former officer Joseph Walsh testified that dash cam video of the incident doesn't reflect what he saw. My angle is totally different from that perspective, he told the jury. Well, the jury got to see it for it themselves. Listen to this. We, the jury, find the defendant, Jason Van Dyke, guilty of second-degree murder. We, the jury, find the defendant, Jason Van Dyke, guilty of aggravated battery with a firearm, first shot. We, the jury, find the defendant, Jason Van Dyke, guilty of aggravated battery with a firearm, second shot. We, the jury, find the defendant, Jason Van Dyke, guilty of aggravated battery with a firearm, 16 shots. Nancy Grace, Crime Stories, signing off. Goodbye, friend. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible. Managing your diabetes just got easier. 
the powerful new Dexcom G7. Let's you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. Amazing. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, your exercise, and medication decisions. All those decisions can lead to big results like more time in range and a lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. Thanks, Dexcom, for being our partner. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road. But if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zinn for a spin. Zinn Nicotine Pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction. Anywhere, anytime. No smoke, no spit, and no lingering odor. Get in gear with the Zinn 10 Challenge and enjoy 10 smoke-free, spit-free days for just $5.95. Order online and start your new journey today. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Big thank you to our partner making today's crime stories possible. It's Lisa Mattress. Lisa's Sapira Hybrid has been named Wirecutter's best hybrid mattress five years running. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash Nancy for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's L-E-E-S-A dot com forward slash Nancy. Thanks, Lisa Mattress, for being our partner.